You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast with your host, Jonathan Robinson-Lees. Welcome to the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast, where today we speak with local musician and composer, Wesley Stormer. Raised within a musical household, Wesley was exposed to a myriad of musicians, bands and performers that had a significant influence on his composition work today. Without knowing it at the time, the early introduction to an eclectic mix of music sparked a passion for Wesley that has seen him showcase his craft locally and abroad. Whilst the classical composition has been prominent for the past decade, the 70s influence from his childhood has never been too far away. Wesley's pop project, Sun Affair, is centred on collaboration with other musicians and brings to life years of hard work in its recent EP. Please enjoy the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Wesley, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Wesley, you compose contemporary classical music and you also write 70s inspired music with your project Sun Affair. Where did you uncover the love for the eclectic and diverse range of music? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would have to say, um, well, I was born into a musical family, so I didn't have much of a choice in, uh, in that regard. My mum's a, a, a classical piano player. My dad sings. But I grew up listening to, um, my mum would teach her students and playing a lot of classical music, so definitely exposed to that early on and also just playing CDs and things. But um, I also, um, going to sleep at night as a kid, I, I often struggled to sleep without the light on. Or, or like, you know, without some sound happening. So I'd have the radio on and I would always listen to 101.7. And that was obviously playing sort of the old you know, 70s, 80s stuff. And so I, I have a theory that that is just etched in my brain, like from a young age, like all those songs, like, you know, like uh, Bee Gees, Elton John, like all that good stuff. Like, so I grew up with that. And like, when I hear those songs now, I just like, just know them. I just feel like it's in my, it's like etched in my brain. Um, so yeah, very sort of diverse. Um, interest in terms of those um yeah in terms of the classical and then and so that sort of old school pop yeah and last year with sun affair you released your first ep called first sign of light why was that so significant for you to release your first ep well it was a big it was a big project in the making just because i guess it's the first it's the first thing i've released in terms of that project and but it's been been working on for a lot longer than it Sort of might appear. I don't know. There's four songs, so it's like I don't know. Maybe if someone just came across, like, oh, cool, four songs, great. But like, that's that's been going since I want to say like since high school. I started writing some of those songs, which is so for me to get that out. It's like, oh, like how good, like how amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So I started writing. Yeah. So I was writing sort of classical stuff as I went into uni, and um, oh yeah, and I guess at the late stage of high school. But then I was also writing on the side these these kind of pop songs inspired by all that 70s music I love. Uh, but I didn't do anything with them. And so I just, I just sat on them and just, I like them. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Because, you know, I just, I don't know. I just kind of sat on them. It's like, oh, whatever. Because I, I, I can't sing. <laughs> I don't sing. So I just had them there. And then I was like, you know what? I got to, I got to do something with them. I got to, yeah, I can't just sit on them. I don't know. I just, I knew I had to do something with them. And so, yeah, I started to connect with different musicians around the place had to connect with some vocalists, trying to find the right vocalist for each song. And, and that was a whole journey and then recording and re-recording. And cause I did it all 
so it's you know, a lot of people when they write and produce music, it's sort of on the computer and using a lot of samples and doing it all themselves. Whereas I did it quite old school, I guess you could say. Like I had to record the drums at the studio, I had to record the guitars and bass at the studio, and the piano at the studio, and then all the backing vocals and all that. And so it was, you know, that's a day, that's a day there, another day there to record. And anyway. So the final product of those four songs is a whole journey for me. So, yeah, a really significant thing. Why did you choose to go old school? You spoke about the recording process mm. there and the studio work and the different days. What made you want to go down that path? I guess because I am, I come from that classical background of like I'm a pretty, keep saying old school, seems like every, it's a bit lame. <laughs> um, I guess traditional, like I, I write my music in a very traditional way. Like I sit at the piano, got my pen and my paper, got my manuscript. I write it out like that. Whereas a lot of people work directly into um, into the computer, into like a you know, Logic or Pro Tools, and and they play it in, and they you know actually make the recording then and there and work on it. Whereas, well, for one reason, I'm, I'm not very good at that side of things. I'm trying to get better at that kind of bedroom producer thing, but that's not my um, strength, unfortunately. So yeah, I would I would have the song. You know, I've got the lyrics chords melody but then how do you bring that to life and that's why i had to kind of go that try and true but slow method of you know reaching out to friends uh people you know different musicians go hey can you record on this day can you record on this day? oh we got to rehearse and like yeah it was a whole process and that collaborative approach bringing people in mm. for the ep what did that teach you did you did you find yourself learning by working with other artists throughout that process Oh, big time. And in fact, I, I love that part of it. I think that's almost the funnest part of it because obviously it's, you know, it's my project, it's my songs, they're all very personal to me. And it's this interesting balance you've got to strike because I've got all these ideas of what the song should be and what I want it to be and the direction and all that, and that's important. But then I'm working with all these different people who are all extremely talented musicians or have their own creative input. Um, especially like the singers as well, because it's one, it's such an interesting thing to give a singer a song that you've written, which is quite personal to you and go, Hey, can you sing this and sing it with the same emotion that I, you know, I want you to sing this as if you wrote it, which that's such a hard thing to get them to do. Right. You can't demand someone to feel this emotion all of a sudden. Um, but then they take it and they do something else with it or they sort of take what you said and yeah, they bring their own interpretation to it. And I, and I love that though, because then you go, Oh, the song might go somewhere, might go somewhere you didn't expect it to go. And I think that's really cool. So allowing the, yeah, having your ideas and having a direction for the song, but allowing it to go somewhere else is also a really cool thing. can be hard, but once you accept that collaboration involves maybe not being so precious, then it, it can go anywhere, and that's great. And the 70s influence on the music, but also the very upbeat, happy vibes mm. and nostalgic vibes that the songs provide. What was your inspiration for, for that? Um, well, I guess, like as I was saying before, that's just what I grew up listening to. I think my first concert uh, with my family was Billy Joel. We had the worst seats, but it was amazing. We had like, <laughs> not to complain, I was great. I'm stoked like my parents took me to see Billy Joel. It was amazing. I remember we were right at the back and it didn't matter that we had bad seats. That's the thing, right? I remember just being like, oh, this is... This is incredible, like so good. Anyway, so yeah, that's just the music I've grown up loving. Like, I just can't get enough of it. And there's something I find very, um, just those songs, they, they're not afraid to be cheesy and 
to be over the top and dramatic, but also exciting and also really catchy. And it just, it's all that stuff I really love. Um, and I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm just really drawn to that kind of sound world. And I think a lot of that music, obviously some of it can be a bit dated, but a lot of it still holds up and you see it coming back now. I mean, you see like Fleetwood Mac, I think we're like charting not long ago. Like, I don't know. This music is still out there and it's still, People love it, and people are rediscovering it. It's just lingering. So anyway, that music, I think, has a certain timelessness, and nostalgia, I think, is a really powerful thing. Really, really powerful. But having said that, I wasn't wasn't trying to write a 70s project. I know it looks (laughs) like like with the, you know, whatever, the outfits and the logo and whatever. Like, that's just sort of how it came to be. But I didn't sort of sit down one day and, like, I've got to write something that's kind of like... I don't know, retro and cool. I don't know, you know, I, I wasn't trying to force it. It's just the music I love. And then I was just trying to combine all my different influences and um, just, yeah, bring bring something all together. That was me and had all my influences. Yeah, just putting it out there. And we spoke before the interview around how flooded it is out there in the market with Spotify, YouTube. The barriers to entry are almost non-existent. As a result of that, did you find yourself kind of leaning into this this theme and this style because you want to be different to all the other music out there? No, again, I think this is just the music I was writing. Like, as I said, I was writing these songs for a long time, and so I wasn't trying to lean into anything. I mean, having said that, I do <laughs> lean into that style. You know, I don't shy away from it. It's very obvious what my influences are, and that's, that's fine. I, I think that's important. Um, and I definitely don't want to be sort of middle of the road and boring i want to so yeah we are leaning into that kind of retro retro vibe um well that's why we're just i I don't know yeah it is important to have all the marking and and stuff there but that's why we're doing we've done a bunch of videos and different things like that and and yeah because it is flooded it is there are just so many musicians out there and just creative people generally trying to be heard trying to show the stuff they're making and it's awesome there's so much great stuff but people only have so much time and it have so you know, so much time in the day and their attention span is, you know, there's a lot being demanded of them. So, Your work with Sun Affair as a creative outlet, how has that complemented or assisted your work as a composer? I do keep them quite separate. Um, but, yeah, I don't, they don't really blur across. So, yeah, they're, they're very distinct vibes, I guess. So... I think when I'm in the Sun of Fair zone, I'm writing that kind of stuff. and But more and more as well, like when I'm writing the classical or when I'm writing pop, obviously they're their own worlds. But I do find a little bit of over, overlap in my style. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you are writing melodies, you're writing chords, you're writing... There is overlap, you know? And I find that really interesting. So they do... I guess they do rub off on each other a little bit. And Wesley, how hard was it for you with the Sun of Fair pop project to put yourself out there and effectively put your name on a project that yeah, is a little bit different. Did you find that that was hard internally to say, I'm going out there, I'm doing it, and it's up there for the world to see? Yeah, well, so I already had my classical stuff out there, and that, I guess, is more Wesley Stormer. That's just more me, I guess. Uh, and then, yeah, and then when the Sun Affair thing came along, like when I started working on that, yeah, I guess I did have to work out how I was going to market myself and how comfortable I was doing all that. And it's interesting because it's not really a band. It's me, but then I don't sing. And so when you see a band, you 
you're looking for the singer, and that's mm. what that's kind of the draw card normally. And so I was like, how am I going to market this? You know, how am I going to keep because I'm the the main factor, you know, because I get all, in the, all these different singers, right? And so it's a bit hard when you're chopping and changing. So I'm like, well, I've got to kind of put myself at the forefront a little bit here. So I was uh, that was all all kind of came into it. But um, no, it was it was challenging, I guess, because I don't know my classical side. Not that I mean to do this, but it can come across maybe as a bit serious, a bit, um, yeah, just I don't know. I'm not a very I, I am a serious person, but I'm I, I don't I think I come across more serious in that world, like, um, and then whereas Sunnyfair is kind of almost like the opposite, like it's just bright colors and and um, so in a, in a way, actually, I think that the the classical side of my stuff and Sunnyfair side stuff is those things together actually is a good representation of me. Obviously, because it's myself, but like in terms of personality, you know, I, I do have that kind of more serious, um, intense side, which, which kind of manifests in the classical, but then the pop, uh, the happy, cheesy, feel good pop, that's also me. That's also a big part of my personality. So I think that is interesting how they're, yeah, how they both exist. Well, so you grew up in Mount Review in the lower Blue Mountains. How would you describe your childhood? Do you reflect back fondly on those times? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like upbringing blue mountains like amazing yeah mount review small little small little town no one knows where it is because it's not on the train line it's a little little secret a little secret suburb oh uh, no and it's not much has changed to be honest you know it's, and it's it's great no i um i had a very fond i, I look back very fondly on my childhood it was, it was great um yeah you know like walking to school yeah riding around bikes like it's very idyllic you know it's very that what you'd see the tv show um and and also music was a big part of that. So getting started, like I grew up, you know, going through the school band thing. I went to Mount Rue Primary School, like clarinet, later picked up the sax. That's now I'm like a woodwind player, but I, I sort of focus more on composition now. But like, yeah, I, yeah, like went through all of that and it was just great. Like, you know, local community bands and yeah, it was a great upbringing and yeah. What was your, we spoke about, I guess, the, the family influence with music and going to the Billy Joel Concert. Mm. Do you recall the first time you picked up an instrument and played music that first time? I do, but it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like sort of this big significant moment because I was in year was it year three, and I started learning clarinet, and I still play clarinet. I love clarinet, but I think just at the time I, don't know, I was just a kid, and I just and learned clarinet. All right, and then I don't know, I almost quit it actually. I think. Because I wasn't practicing, so my mom's like, "All right, we're gonna kick you. You know, we're gonna kick you out of the band if you don't. We're gonna take you out of the band if if you don't practice." And I was like, "No, I don't." So anyway, stay in the band, and I'm like, thank goodness I did. You know, um, yeah. So there wasn't. I don't know. It's. I know it's, it sounds a bit sad, but there wasn't this sort of like lightning bolt. Like, oh, this is amazing. maybe because I just had music all around. It was so normal. Maybe that was part of it. I'm not sure. I think as I got older, like into high school, and started listening to music and being like, "Oh, it's really cool," and a saxophone and playing more bands and meeting more people that sort of were in a similar world to me and you know talking sharing ideas sharing music um and then i don't know at what point but then when i started writing i, I think i started teaching myself piano that's right my mom tried to teach me piano actually when i was a kid but that didn't pan out that <laughs> i did I, I don't think i wanted lessons from my mom so um but then i later taught myself with probably really bad technique but then i just taught myself and but once i think in terms of that moment of, oh, this this is really cool. This is starting to unlock that excitement and that passion. I guess was 
when I started playing piano and coming up with stuff, like writing my own stuff, I was like, oh, this is something that didn't exist before. This is something that just happened. That, to me, is the magic. And was that the beauty of teaching yourself piano, that every time you sat down there, it was a chance to explore, to try new things, to learn chords? Mm. Is that where you love that sense of exploration? Big time. Well, initially, (laughs) initially I just started teaching myself piano because I wanted to just play songs that I'd heard. And so, because I was a clarinet and sax player, so I didn't know much about chords at that point. I read music and I just, you know, playing concert bands, playing jazz bands, and that was all great. But I wanted to play, like, I wanted to be able to accompany myself and, you know, have a sing. And But then, yeah, at a certain point, I once I got a bit more competent at the piano and, and confident, I started exploring and, yeah, coming up with ideas. And, and that's super exciting. So, yeah, that's exactly the piano I, f- I find is such a, it's just there and yeah, just exploring on it is, is amazing and just seeing what colours you can come up with and ideas. I think that's really special. You spoke about listening to music mm. kind of through those early high school years. Mm. What kind of bands or artists were you drawn to at that time? Uh, <laughs> there was a band. I listened to a lot of my brother's music actually. My brother was a big influence um, initially. I don't really listen to so much that music. I, I listened to um, a band called Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> which looking back now I'm like that doesn't really map on at all to what I listen to but having said that actually they, they've got like some really catchy songs like they're sort of like rock pop bit of punk I guess I'm not I'm not sure but like yeah I was really obsessed with them I've still got lots of their CDs that's funny I, I think I just got a, I would find an artist and just get a bit obsessive that was kind of what happened uh, and then I really loved uh, this band called Fleet Foxes and they're not anything like Jimmy Well, they I don't know if you know them. They're um, sort of folk mm. influence, like really big, rich harmonies. Um, yeah, more acoustic sounding songs. Um, but then also still listening to like the 70s. Stuff. Like, I, like Earth, Wind and Fire. I got obsessed with them as well. I got like a post on my wall at home now. Of that. Like, yeah, so just, I would just, I don't know what it was. It's not like I would pick a band and just deep dive. I just, something about a certain band I would get really into and then I'd just get right in on by their CDs and then so you yeah, had little pockets but like I, I would listen to a lot of different stuff as well what was the role of school for you at high school into Blackson High mm. did education play a big part of your upbringing I probably wasn't as studious as I should have been in high school I, I think I like I love the social aspect of it I liked school I really did like school I was in like SRC and I was captain and so I like being a part of school. I like being part of like school musicals. And yeah, I wasn't very good at the study side of things. I didn't do badly, but I didn't do all that well. But I was always really into the music side of things. So yeah, surprise, surprise. Um, so yeah, in terms of education, I think part of me, I don't know, it sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but part of me, I feel like I wasn't mature enough. I don't know, not that I was like, you know, off the rails or like whatever, but something about like in post-high school, I just felt myself... Sort of being like, okay, I can kind of, I don't know, process things better. I can like, I've, I've got the patience and the concentration now that I can study. And I don't know, I feel like I didn't have that in high school. But also at the same time, I was also lazy. So, so maybe I'm giving myself an out there. And through the high school years, did you have career ambitions? Did you know the path you wanted to head down? No, not at all. Those, those years, you just, because school, I was thinking about this the other day, school just felt like it was going on forever. You're like, I'm going to be here forever and so thinking ahead i was like that's that's future wesley's problem that's um (laughs) that's a while no i did you know i did think 
I think for a while I wanted to be a chef, weirdly enough. Um, but everything I liked about cooking has not like had nothing to do with what the reality of being a chef would have been. You know, I like taking my time and listening to music, and you know, like that's not what would happen in a, in a real kitchen. It would be high pressure and, and yeah, you know, very intense. Uh, but I, I was always good at music, and that was what I was passionate about. So I knew it would, in some way or another, be something to do with music. You know, through the school process. Did you find pressure to pursue, and I'll use inverted commas, a normal career? Did you feel like school was trying to push you down a certain path that, you know, was traditional university degree, nine to five job? Was that a pressure you felt at all? No, not really. I think, again, I, I wasn't, a, I didn't excel all that much at school, but I wasn't doing badly. And so I think, <laughs> I think. There wasn't so much pressure. I think they'll come out. Like, oh, you'll be all right. Like he's, he's, you know, he's not an idiot. He'll, he'll get by. He'll do something. Um, so yeah, that that was all right. With some people, they're like, oh, this guy's. We need to. I don't know. We need to sort this guy out. We need to like give him a bit of push. So I don't know. They, they, there wasn't any sort of. You know, they they did the general careers advising stuff and like, what are you gonna do? And you know, you need this ATAR to get into this uni and blah blah blah. Um, I just kept saying to them, I'm like, I just need to audition. I just need to be good at my instrument and audition well and. But they didn't want to be like, they wanted to still be like, oh, you got to start, you got to try hard, you got to start. Like, no, I just have to audition. I don't have to have a higher ETA. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. And post school, what path did you end up choosing to go down? So I went to, so yeah, I went down the music path. Uh, I went to, I studied at uh, W, well, it was UWS at the time, now WSU. So that was way back in 2012, I would have started. Yeah. So yeah, did a Bachelor of Music there. Um, And that was actually really, um, in terms of those sort of moments, those sort of, yeah, those moments where it feels like a crossroads that was at uni actually because I didn't know I wanted to be a composer I didn't know I wanted to go down that route at all I just knew I wanted to do music and so I did this bachelor of music got to about my second year or so and I was thinking about doing the the teaching degree and then thought I was in that but then in that second year I was like I don't know if I want to be a teacher just yet I wasn't sort of ruling it out but I'm like I don't know if that's something I want I don't want to sort of go school uni and back to school you know I don't know I just it didn't seem like it was for me at the time. But then I was getting some really good feedback off um, one of my lecturers, Claire McLean. She's an amazing composer. And then she just encouraged me. She's just like, oh, have you thought about doing composition for, like an, doing an honours year in composition? And I was like, well, no, I hadn't thought about that. And, but I always liked writing. And then she was giving me this encouragement. I was like, oh, so I must be okay. You know, it was the first kind of time I was getting some, I'm not the first time, but like significant feedback. We're like, no, this is good. Like you could pursue an honours year in this to really give it a go. I'm like, you know what, that's a cool idea. So I spent a year writing an orchestral piece and doing a, a thesis that went with that. Um, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it and just absorbing all this different music and then just trying to learn how to write for an orchestra. And cause I hadn't done that before. And I mean, that's a lifelong pursuit, really. I mean, still working that out and you just get better and better at it. Um, but that, that was that year is when I was like, yeah, okay, I love this. This is what I want to do amazing it's kind of scary because there's no click up path there's no job to dive into but part of that uncertainty is kind of fun as well because you just choose your own adventure a little bit what do you think 
Claire saw in your work and you as a person that she wanted to push you in that direction of composition? Mm-hmm. I'd have to ask her. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I think she... I think she, early on she commented that I had quite a strong like compositional voice, whereas I, I, I had a sound that, you know, um, had its influences, of course, but had, I had my own sort of personality coming through my music. I think she recognised that, and I think that's... I'm still working on that, of course, but I think that's a thing we are all trying to strive for as artists, is trying to find our voice within our music and go, this is my thing. It's hard to be original, but you're like, this is my sound and where people can hear it and go, oh, that sounds like a so-and-so piece. That sounds like... So I think to a degree she commented on that I had a, a good, strong compositional voice and that was really exciting. Um, and I guess she saw that I was passionate and open to stuff and open to learning and willing to give it a go. And yes, I think yeah, just saw that I was really passionate about it. Did you find... I guess unlocking that element of your life, the creativity, and knowing that that was the path you were going to go down, albeit a, a path without the destination mm. being known, did you find it brought in your perspective in life as well, that you're like, actually, there's a whole other world, there's a whole other way of living that I can now pursue? Yeah, I guess I was, you know, like, I, don't know, I think at every stage in our life, we think we've got it worked out, or I don't know, we, we feel more confident than we did previously but then as you keep going you still realize you're still working it out like i still feel like i'm working it out now and all those years later but i guess yeah it did give me sort of yeah it did open up my horizons a bit i was like oh i don't have to go into something like i don't have to lock myself into anything and that was kind of cool and again scary but then once like because the idea of being a composer that's not something like obviously we all know about composers and we you know, study them and listen to them. But then to think of that as something you could do yourself, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Just it, maybe, maybe it goes to other people to <laughs> go to me. And then once I unlocked that, I started seeing all these other people that were doing it and, and seeing their lives and like, oh, that's really cool. And they're, they're getting by and they're doing these things. And I, th- I think what it opened me up to is um, it just, just that kind of freelance world as a musician where you've got to kind of do a bit of everything. You gotta just make it work. If you want to do it, you just gotta kind of make it work and, and make it happen. Looking back on the time at university, did you find were you drawn to the practical or the theory? Was there a particular element of the university life that you were drawn to? I liked yeah, the practical was cool. There was some good um there was actually a cool subject we did which was like composer performer where you would compose for Form in your, uh, for someone in your class who would perform your piece and then vice versa, someone would write a piece for you, you perform it. That was really interesting because you just get to see everyone's different styles and then you know they give you a piece and you collaborate with them. And, and So that was really cool. I guess there wasn't... It's a while ago now. There wasn't a huge amount of practical, if I can remember. But I loved the theory side. That was really cool. Also, Western Sydney University is really good at... Uh, they have a lot more of a modern approach. Um, so they, they do all the classical training and have all the theory elements, but they also have a lot of modern components to their course, like a lot of sound technology, which, again, that's not my strength. So that was really cool um, to sort of explore that and experiment with that a bit. Um, so that was really interesting. But I guess, yeah, the theory, um, and also just being immersed in that world, like there's nothing like being able to put everything aside. I mean, you still got to work and everything, but like putting everything aside and just diving into a degree and just, Nothing but music. 
just being in that world. I think that's awesome. It's a real luxury, you know, you, you don't get to do that much. Um, as you get older, I feel like things get busy, but just taking the chance to just be around that, be around people who are doing music, listening to music, writing, you know, it's incredible. And how important for you, Wesley, was having the musical influence from such a young age, but also an appreciation for different types of music and different artists. Do you find that that benefited you going through that process of becoming a composer? Oh, big time, big time. I mean, yeah, I, I've never felt, maybe because I've just been so into so many different types of music, I've never felt, I've never felt just comfortable just doing the classical side of things or just doing the pop side of things or I don't know. Well, I guess, you know, I started doing the classical side of things because that's just kind of where my degree went. But then I was still doing the pop stuff on the side. I just hadn't made anything of that yet, but I still had that there. And, you know, there's lots of things I, I, I want to do. Like I want to do film music and I want to, you know, get, maybe go into musical theater. Like I just, there's, there's so many things that I'm interested in and they all sort of overlap in interesting ways. Like they'll sound quite different, but in my mind, pop to classical to film to they all blur they all blur in terms of they all overlap in in their um in what's similar about you know and so yeah i think early on having those influences i never was like rigid about styles or what was i don't know what was deemed good or the right music i should listen to because i just i don't know music that's what's so great about music is i think you've got you know high art like you know up at like the elite kind of uh people who are virtuosos at their instrument and it's this amazing incredible thing going to see like an opera and it's these people trained all their years on this one specific thing that's and it's mind-blowing it's amazing what those people are capable of and the music that is created there but then you also have the other end of the spectrum where people can in a rock band garage band who can hardly play their instruments and can hardly sing but they make these songs that resonate with people people love it you know like there's no the good, bad, you know, that whole, thing. like, that's dumb. That's just what, what has an effect, what, ha- what creates an emotion, you know? So I've never thought, like, my music needs to be this and it needs to be this good. I, don't, I just, you know, I, I think that's what's so good about music. It can be anything. <laughs> Do you consider where, where you might have gone if Claire hadn't stopped and given you that feedback mm. and, and pushed you to becoming a composer? Do you consider where you might have ended up? Mm. No, I can't say I have. I'm, I mean, I like to think that I still had that. Well, I mean, of course, I had that bubbling desire and passion for it. Um, so I like to think it would have happened. Maybe I wouldn't have done honors. Mm, what if? I, I, I don't know. That's, I haven't thought of that. That's interesting. I, I still think I would still write um, and I would still be doing composition. I like to think so. <laughs> But she did have a big effect on me, for sure. I think it is amazing, though. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah, like someone, like, obviously, you know, I respect her and really look up to her, um, look up to Claire. It's funny, like, yeah, one person can have such an effect on you. And, yeah, all it takes is just one person to be like, hey, you're good at that. (laughs) You should keep going. Like, really? Thanks. And then you, you know, it's all talk. Wesley, you said to me before our chat that you love how the ideas with composition almost materialize as if they were always there in your creative process. Do you find yourself that you need to be quite disciplined? Do you need to set aside time to work on the creativeness or are you waiting for that creative wave to, to unlock itself? There's a bit of column A, column B, I feel. So writing music more and more, I've, I've realized it is, you got to treat it like you're treating an instrument. 
So you practice every day. You sit down, you make the time, you do. You, know, you lock yourself in your room and you make it happen. I was never very good at that, by the way, as an instrumentalist. But with composition, I, I can do that. I can just sit in my room and write all day, and I love it. Um, and I think more and more, you force yourself to do that, and you treat it like an instrument, you, you have that practice. More and more, what is in your head, um, you, you start to bring that out. It starts to, you, get, you, you generate more ideas that way. It's really interesting. I'm still kind of working it out. Like the more you come up with the ideas, the more ideas you get. And so it's interesting if you have a, say, if, I don't know, you go on a holiday or something and you're not writing, you just take some time off and you come back and, you, and you're trying to get back in the flow of things and trying to write, trying to start composing again. I find it hard sometimes to get back into that, that mindset. Having said that, uh, I do get the occasional idea, you know, wake up in the middle of the night kind of idea, but like I'm staying in the shower or something. Often that will be for like lyrics though. I don't get, typically I won't get like a melody or harmony or any like that, but I might get a lyric idea. But um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta sit down and you gotta put the work in. I think that's important. And then, and then when you do that, then you can let the creativity flow. You gotta give yourself the time though. You hear author Malcolm Gladwell speak about, for him, the writing process, there's often three hours in a day of, Almost just writing junk, but mm. it's pen to paper, or he's on on the computer and just writing, writing, writing with no real intent. But mm. then from that, the ideas start to flow. Do you find that there's almost like that junk time, so to speak, where you're just writing for the sake of it, or do you like everything you produce to be pretty watertight? Yeah, I have heard that. You know, you write write ten rubbish songs and then you write one good song, that kind of thing. Like I have heard that approach. And I, I certainly have a lot of stuff which I've written which is not going to be putting out anytime soon. I definitely shelve that. But generally speaking, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll have my pen and paper, I'll have my manuscript, um, and I'll just be noodling away on the piano. And I won't write anything down until I kind of come across something and go, oh, that's interesting, and then I'll kind of play around with that idea, and then maybe I'll note it down. I'll just, as a little sketch of something, right? I don't know what's going to be. Maybe if I'm like, I don't know, maybe if I've got a commission coming up for a composition, I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a string quartet. And so I'm just kind of playing around and kind of have sounds of strings in my head and trying to think about, like, what do I want to go? And, yeah, but I, I, I know that approach of just trying to churn stuff out. And I think what that is good for is you're not self-editing. You're not, you're not second-guessing all the time. You're just going, you know what, I'm just going to let it come out of me. And at some point, something good's going to happen. But I think for me, I'm, that's what I'm doing when I'm playing. I'm kind of like, all right, well, that's nothing, that's nothing, that's boring, nothing, nothing. And like, oh, what was, you know, what was that? That was, oh, that little melody was cool. I'm like, oh, that harmony was nice. And how about I try? You know, that, I think that's what I'm doing there until I stumble across something. <laughs> the, you speak about commissioning work there. Mm. Do you find it's a motivator or a detractor having time pressures and a commitment to a third party to get something done? I need I need those deadlines. I think creative people need deadlines because if I was left to my own devices, I would still write for sure. I love doing it, but you you could just keep editing and keep reworking and a piece, and you would never it, like if you didn't have that deadline, you would just sit on it and you would just like you know it would just sit there. So yeah, you need those deadlines to just push over the edge, and maybe you'll send something off and you're like, ah, wish I'd fix this or I wish I had more time but you know what at the end of the day 
you to send it off and a lot of your own insecurities and worries about something are it's usually not so bad when you send it off. You know, you're never going to be 100% happy, I think. I don't know if I've ever been 100% happy with a piece I've sent off. But, no, for me, deadlines, big time. Even, even if it's not a commission, even if I'm just like, looking to apply for a competition, I'm like, cool, I've got two months to write this piece. And then if I put the work in, if I sit down and I, I churn away at this, I'm going to come up with something good. And I know I have this limited window. So it keeps me honest. In 2017, you won a composition competition in the U.S., the Viridian Symphony Orchestra. How did that opportunity come to life? Yeah, that was a that was a really interesting one. I've always found it sort of hard. Found it difficult. I was never happy calling myself a composer. I don't know why. I think because I felt like I had to be getting stuff played all around the place to really feel like that's what I was. You know, I was still doing music teaching. I was still doing gigs, and I didn't feel like. Composer, yeah, I compose, but I'm not a composer. I, I don't know. It was a weird hang-up I had, um, and all the opportunities up to that point were either through uni or self-made. Like I would, you know, get people to play my music, but I would organize it, or I don't know. Again, it was probably my own insecurity of like I didn't want to at a party like, hey, I'm where? It's like I'm a composer. I don't know. I just maybe felt I was a bit of a wank person. <laughs> But so anyway, back on that the competition. Um, so I'll just submit stuff to to the competitions all over, and you just I just send it, and you forget about it. I think that's the best way to do it. You don't get your hopes up, you don't, but you're not you don't too negative on yourself. But you send, forget, whatever. But then I won that one, and I was like, oh, it was amazing. It was this thing in uh, thing in the states, uh, and so yeah, they played my piece. It was awesome. This like orchestral work I wrote, and yeah, that was really gratifying and really solidifying because. You know, I didn't know them. I had nothing to do with them. I just sent off a piece. I sent off a PDF, the piece, and then a little sort of audio MIDI, you know, fake sounding thing as a re- you know, representation of the piece. Sent that off, and they're like, yep, you've won. And I'm like, amazing. You know, I was just, so that, that to me was really like, all right, like, all right, some people <laughs> like what I'm doing. And that was really cool. Um, but yeah, way back in 2017. So, but that was, that, was a, that was a nice moment for sure. You spoke about the gratification that came with that. Was there a fundamental shift in the way you worked off the back of that? I think it just gave me a, a bit of a boost. It gave me a bit of like, okay, I'm writing stuff and people liking it. Because yeah, again, up to that point, I was just working with people I knew or you know local connections, and that's good. And people were always very encouraging. It was, there was not, you know, it's not like I I had a very you know I have a very supportive family, and I have a very supportive uh, group of friends and people I work with, but. Again, it was my own hang-ups of like, I want someone, <laughs> I need someone that isn't connected to me in any way to somehow show <laughs> that they that what I'm doing is good. Because then I'm like, all right, cool. All right. It speaks for itself, you know, because you, know, you want to be supportive of your friends and family. And it's, it's great when you have that. Um, but yeah, it's nice when you get random people going like, hey, I've got no idea who you are, but that piece was cool. That's nice. I think that's cool. <laughs> was, there, was there clarity of thought that came with that to be able to step away and say, actually, I am, I am a composer and backing yourself, did it provide clarity and, and open up more creative opportunities for you? Yeah, yeah. Again, it, I think it was just the, the confidence, right? Because I, I am a confident person and I, what I write, like I like and I believe in and I think is good and I think is worthy of being put out there. But yeah, it did give me that extra thing about like, yeah, no, I'm writing stuff, people are playing it and that's what I'm doing. That's who I am. That's my passion. It's my pursuit. That's what, that's what I'm working on. How do you define success 
as a composer? I guess success as a composer. I'm still looking for it. You have little wins along the way, I feel. And you got to take the little wins. Success, okay. And there's like, yeah, so there's little wins, right? So success is finishing a piece. Success is finishing a piece and sending it off. Um, success is... Yeah, yeah, having yeah, having a piece performed. Success is making different connections, network. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you got to try and get the little wins because if you don't enjoy the little wins, then you're just constantly waiting for like something big to happen to make you feel happy, and those big things don't come along all that often sometimes, and that can be a bit of a bummer. So you got to you got to have the yeah, you got to celebrate the little things. So I guess big big scope. What would success look like as a composer? being performed, you know, pieces being performed in, you know, opera houses around the world and big theatres, big concert halls. That'd be amazing. Collaborating with lots of different people. But I I guess, and also just being able to make a a career of it, whether it's as a film composer, as a classical composer, so every classical composer, pop pop writer, whatever, I think that would, if I could just live (laughs) as a composer, as a songwriter, that would be success for me long term. You speak with a lot of creatives around the balance between perfection and output that the pursuit of perfection can be a handbrake for many creatives. How do you go about about balancing that, knowing that the work you submit might not be 100%, like you said, mm. but knowing that you've just got to get stuff out there? Is, is that a tricky balance, do you find? Oh, big time, big time. So uh, the deadlines, as we're saying, the deadlines help because they don't give you a choice. So that's always good. You just got to send it off regardless. Uh, but yeah, in the recording studio, I think that's particularly interesting because you're like whatever happens in the recording studio. Obviously, you can edit stuff after the fact, and there's things you can tweak. But there's some things that like like a vocal take, you can edit vocals. But there's certain things you can't edit, like the emotion that someone provides in a vocal. So, and you can go a bit stir crazy. Like if you've been, you know, if you're writing, if you're recording a song rather, that's four minutes, and you've been working on this song for a month or two like that song starts to sound like out of nothing <laughs> like it just you know it just starts to feel you, just, you get numb to it because you're just so attached to it so sometimes that whole process can be really difficult and you've got to work out you've, yeah you've got to work out what can be not perfect I guess or yeah it can be a tricky one to balance it up for sure do you tend to be quite critical of your work both pop and classical Yes, I would say so. But I feel like most creative people are, I would say. There are things I'm happy with. I'm not like, I don't look back and go, oh, that sucks. Oh, and like rubbish, like a tr- you know, trash talk my previous pieces. I look back on some of my pieces and go, oh, what was I thinking? Like, I wouldn't do that or, you know. But for the most part, like they represent a, a time and, you know, time and space I was in. And so I can look back and go, yeah, I wrote that five years ago. Um, that's where I was at five years ago. <laughs> you know and present me is like I wouldn't do that but you know I don't know I think I think you gotta have some perspective about all this yeah obviously there are, there are things I could have done better but um, with, with all all my things but I'm happy with it this is the Passion of Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media over the years Wesley how have you overcome self-doubt either self-doubt as yourself as a musician or even specific pieces of work 
I'm a, I'm quite a confident person generally, like just in my day to day life. I you know I love going out, I love socializing. I I I'm confident that way. And then so I feel like it's interesting when it yeah, gets into the creative side of things because I I still have confidence and self belief in my own music. But yeah, you do go through these moments where you're like, oh, is this awful? Is this one right? the worst is this you know you yeah you have those you, you just kind of go into those spirals the self-doubt spirals um so how to deal with that yeah there's definitely been moments where i can think back to like when i was recording um i recorded in the studio near my place in leichhardt and there um i'd, I'd be walking home some nights and i'd be like ah, oh, like is this bad is this what am I right? Like, is this like I'm spending all this money and is this even any good? And, but then I feel like you just have these inner battles with yourself and then you, you, I mean, yeah, that's how I would deal with them. Like I'd go home and I'd kind of like, well, okay. And then, you know, probably, usually I just get a good night's rest and wake up and go, Oh no, I was just tired. I was just in my own head too much or yeah. And, and you talk to friends about it. I think that's a big thing. You gotta have, you gotta have your community around you and like other, not just your friends, but your friends also who, who write music and, or who are just creative. Cause you just go, man, like, going through this and they're like and people are like oh yeah get it like no it's good like you know just just keep on it and like i think that's the thing you just gotta kind of keep at it i think yeah it's it's a big uh obviously you're writing music for people to hear it and you that's a big part of it the audience um but you're also doing it for yourself but i think when the self-doubt creeps in and you go oh this doesn't sound like what people are listening to or oh this is a bit lame oh. you just kind of go well do i like it do i think it's good do i think it has a place in the world and you go yeah all right well i'm going to just keep doing what i'm doing you know i can't let too much external you know too many external opinions sort of start to stop what i think is good when you compose composing your classical music do you have a vision for how it's going to look how it's going to be played and how do you, what's what's the first thing you do when you're composing because there's for an orchestra for example there's so much so many different elements what's What's the first thing you do and, and do you have a vision for how it's going to look? So when I'm sort of trying to write an orchestral work, again, it all kind of starts the same. I just start I just at the piano and I'm just kind of just improvising, just kind of just sitting there, just coming up with something, finding, you know, I might play around with a few ideas. And then, yeah, you kind of stumble across something and you can kind of uncover it. Like, again, like kind of it was there the whole time. You're just kind of looking for it and then you find something. I find that really interesting because you just kind of, something will just catch your ear and you go, that's something that's significant. That's interesting. So then you write that down. And then, so for me, I end, I end up build, I end up building these little cells of information. Like, you know, this might be a little chord progression or a, a melody or a rhythmic idea. And you just have these little things on the paper. And then as you've done that, cause the blank page is the worst, right? That's the most daunting thing. But as soon as you have a few little ideas, you're like, Oh, that's kind of like this. And then, I feel like it starts to reveal itself to you. And then you start to piece it together in your head and you kind of go, oh, okay, and that's going to be the main theme and it's going to go up to this. And then you start to uncover it. I think that's really cool. And so, yeah, an orchestral composition, that's super challenging and overwhelming. I still find that. Like, I mean, I'm by no means am I an expert at it at all. I'm still working at it. But I think if you can boil down the orchestral piece down to a, some key elements, I think that really helps kind of deal with the sort of overwhelming nature of the scope, right? Because if you're dealing with, you know, what, 20 plus, you know, a whole, you know, so many instruments, that can be overwhelming. So, but if you can boil it down to like melody, counter melody, uh, the harmony, 
um, you know, this structure here, this, you, you know, you boil it down to the key elements, then I think that gives you the, the layout, that gives you the blueprint. And then you build it up and then can expand it and make it more complex. I think, yeah, you've got to boil it down to the simple, the key, the key elements, I think is a big way of. And through your music, Wesley, are you trying to elicit an emotion from the audience? Do you want people to feel a certain way? And does that vary based on the type of music you're writing? Mm. Oh, I definitely want them to feel something. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and does it vary on the music I'm writing? Mm. Yeah, I think with Sun Affair that I want that to be just happiness. <laughs> I want that to be just catchy. I want that to be just uh, people can dance. You know, we haven't done any gigs yet, but I want that to be just a space where it's, yeah, it's cheesy. It's sort of loud. It's you know, a bit ridiculous, but it's still serious in a way. Like it's not like I'm writing joke songs, but I, I want that to be just really entertaining and an escape for people. Because um, that's a lot of those songs I feel for me as well. Like obviously, when I write them, I'm processing my own thoughts, and it's it's coming from a sincere place and things I'm actually thinking and feeling. But the way it manifests in the music is fun. I want it to be fun, and I want it to be enjoyed like that whereas the classical i guess can be a bit more intense and i you know i do think about the audience obviously when i write a piece i'm writing it how i want it but i you know i do think about the audience and how they might perceive a piece but i think in i'm more prepared to be more challenging in my classical but i really like that interaction because my pieces tend to be quite melodic i'm drawn to strong melodies and really rich harmony and i like the idea of Having those elements, having those elements that we all, you know, tried and true, like catchy little melodies that people like, but then messing with them and also maybe going a bit into an angular, darker place where it can be a bit confronting and intense. I, I find that really interesting because then within the same piece, you can have a beautiful ear catching melody, but then you can take it somewhere a bit intense and a bit, yeah, confronting. I find that really cool. And do you find it's hard to, for the orchestral pieces to, to write your composition and then to hand it off to someone else to play. Is that a complex in any way? Oh, that's, oh, that's, yeah, that's super tough. Especially so with that Viridian Symphony uh, competition, I was just in Matt Riv and just sent off the PDF, sent off the, you know, the sort of audio mock-up, which is not amazing. It's just sort of, you know, out of my software. And I didn't hear any rehearsal progress. So, and then I just got a video of the recording of the, you know, them playing it. And they did a great job. It was amazing. It was really cool. I was really happy with it. But um, that was daunting because it would have been nice to be there and kind of go, oh, I like it like this or, you know. But then that's another thing, right? So the conductor, I'm actually working with him on another thing coming up. His name's Scott Seaton. He's, he's awesome. I did an interview with him that last year. not too long ago. It was during COVID. So it was, it was him. Anyway, he's in the States. He's an amazing conductor. And so I, again, that's like a trust thing. So I trusted the conductor to take the piece and he brought his own interpretation to it and it was based on what I'd written, but then he brought his own, what he thought, you know, where he should slow down in certain parts and bring certain instruments out. And I liked that element though. I liked that he was able to bring his interpretation to it. And what, what is on the horizon for you from a composition perspective? Uh, yeah. So I've got a few things, uh, which is nice. It's good. <laughs> it's good to be busy. So I've got, uh, so I mentioned, so uh, there was a competition back in 2020 and it was called, it's called Beethoven Idol. 
and it's uh, what it was is uh, just yeah, it was a competition, and we all had to submit our pieces, and it was an international thing. It's uh, it's with North State Symphony Orchestra, and so I'm a finalist in that, which is really cool. So that was way back in 2020, but now obviously because of the whole COVID thing, that just got pushed back. So now it's happening this year, and so what's going to happen in May is they're going to play some excerpts from the three finalists, so my my piece and two other people, their works. Um, and then there's going to be a vote. There's going to be an online vote. So if people want to help me out, you can go online. And they're going to live stream it. And it's going to be, I think, on a set, it's going to work because it'll be Friday in the States, like in LA time. And so that's going to be like Saturday afternoon here. So yeah, there's going to be like an online vote and people will vote there. And then like, that's the Beethoven Idol. Conference. You know, that's the aspect. So they vote and then the winner, they'll play the full piece at a concert. So that's happening. So that's cool. And, um, and then I'm having a piece actually played Similar sort of deal. I wrote a piece for Penrith Symphony Orchestra, and that was in 2020. I remember I submitted it like March of 2020, and that's when everything started to get locked down here, I feel. And so I was like, over that summer, I was like, try and get done, try and get done, like, get done for March, submitted it, and then like a week later, it was like, everything's canned. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> so anyway, it's been delayed, and delayed, and delayed, but it's, it's happening later this year. I'm not, I think, I'm not sure, but it'll be, be up on the website if anyone's interested. But yeah, that'll be cool. That's and that will be a really, that will actually be my first orchestral piece played here in Australia. So I'll actually be able to go and kind of rehearse. Well, sit there and see it being rehearsed and experience that. That'll be very cool. Is there something more meaningful with the local competitions? You know, the fact that it's the Penrith Symphony mm-hmm. Orchestra. Does that resonate a bit more with you? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, it's yeah. I grew up in the area. Uh, I know a lot of people in the orchestra, so there is that community aspect. Uh, and yeah, and they're supporting me. Like it's they're, they're supporting me as a local composer, and so there is that, that is really special for sure. I think that's a really important part of it, definitely. Looking back to 2012, you first started university. Mm. What advice would you have for a young Wesley at that point in time about what's to come? Like advice or a warning? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Either or. Don't do. Um... What would I tell young Wesley? Well, I would tell him right away that you like composition, you want to compose, start doing that more. Because definitely at the start of uni, I was, again, I was, I was working hard. Well, I could have worked harder, but I was, yeah, I was working my degree, but I didn't know I wanted to do composition full-time at that point. So I'd be like, hey, this is your passion. Start doing it now. Start taking it a bit more seriously. Stop playing games. I actually did at one point, I think it was, this was, this was, and I wouldn't change this, but I was like, yeah, I think it was third year of uni. I was playing, you know, Skyrim. <laughs> I was playing Skyrim and I, you know, when you save and it tells you how many hours you've been playing, I was I, it, like, I did that and I was, it said like some obscene number of hours and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I, I what am I doing? It's like, I love Skyrim. Like I love, I love video games, but at that point I haven't played video games since. I just like, I'm like, that's, I can't do that. I can't be. I can't be spend that many hours in this world, you know. I, you know, yeah. So that so advice for young Wesley, yeah, just start, start writing, start getting, yeah. Just because time is short, I feel time is short, and that time, oh yeah, and that time then, like I probably thought I was busy then, but like that time then was like I had time to just dive into whatever, I'd write music to listen to all kinds of stuff, and so yeah, make most of that free time. That would be something I would say for sure. And looking back again, is there is there a person or an an experience that you think's been the single single biggest influence on your career? 
Well, that moment with Claire was really special and how she believed in me. That was really nice. Mm. And, like, again, like, the, 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 the milestones along the way. So that, um, the, the competitions that I've had some success in, that's really cool, the commissions. They're just all little, um, I shouldn't say little, they're all these different moments where it's been a really nice confidence boost and kind of solidified what I'm doing because I'm like, okay, well, stuff's happening. Um, and my parents as well, they've been really supportive the whole way. I've been totally happy for me to take this journey of no, you know, no certain outcomes, you know, that they've been very supportive and very encouraging. So that's been really cool. So yeah, there've been definite significant moments along the way. I can't say there was, yeah, this one major moment, but yeah, along the way, definitely spots where I it solidified my journey. And is reflection a big thing for you? Do you take the time to look back on that journey? Regularly? No, I can't say I do. Only because <laughs> regret. <laughs> no, that's... Well, yeah, there's things you'd do differently and stuff. So, I, well, you know, I do. Obviously, I do think back to past years and, and whatnot, and what I could have done differently, or like, you know, if I did this or moved there, or. But I am where I am now. I can just. Just take what I've got now and make the most of it. Because then in five, ten years, I'm going to look back on this time and be like, what was I doing? Yeah, unless, unless right now I make the most of it and I really get some stuff happening. And yeah, so you got to look back. You got to see what you did right. You got to see what you did wrong. You got to kind of evaluate that for sure. But I try not to dwell too much because dwelling, dwelling isn't good. And along the same lines, do you believe in life that we find ourselves or that we create ourselves as people do you feel that the path is laid out mm. and we just live it or that every decision we make every day shapes where we end up this is the famous passion perspective question I've, it I've is heard, i've heard this one i was ready actually no i wasn't ready for this <laughs> do i believe we find it or we make it is that the mm. um well that yeah that's a that is interesting like you no no you make it you make it for sure But, hmm, if I make it, I think everyone's got something that they're passionate about and they've got something that they're good at and got an outlet, but whether or not you tap into it. Um, so I guess you, you find it, you, you've got to find that. That's what you have to find. And that some people don't find that. And that's sad. You know, people end up in doing things that they don't want to do with their life. Um, and they don't have that purpose or meaning. And that's what's really great, I guess, my pursuit. Again, it doesn't have that certainty or anything, but it's meaningful. I find it deeply meaningful and rewarding. So that's very, very, very cool. But yes, you've got to find that thing, that thing that electrifies you, that thing that invigorates you. But then, once you've found it, see, this is, a, I'm, I'm, it's not, this is like a fence-sitter answer. <laughs> that's not, it's, it's one thing to find what you want out of life, but then you, it's not going to happen. It's not going to just fall into your lap. You've got to make it happen. But then you've got to make yourself. You've got to make what you want to be. It's call, make, call, be. That's, I know, offensive position. Sorry. <laughs> and Wesley, how do people best follow your project, uh, progress checking out your composition work, but also the work that you're doing with the Sun Affair? Yeah. Um, so I'm on all social media, like Instagram is a great spot. I put up a lot of stuff on, I've got a Wesley Stormer just composer page. And a Son of Fair page. So you can check those out. YouTube, I'm on TikTok. Get you on the TikTok. 
That's where all the eyeballs are. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Say Spotify. Yeah, just pretty much anywhere. I'm, I'm up. I'm around. Wesley, thank you for sharing your inspiring journey on the Passion and Perspective podcast. Wishing you all the best. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast. The Passion and Perspective podcast is made in loving memory of Katie Margaret Lees, who truly lived with passion and perspective.